Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to episode 359 of Geek Time Radio. I am back this week with... Daryl, how are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. How is everyone? <laughs> I'm doing very well. How are things with you? What have you been up to? Things are going pretty well with me. Moved locations, same job, new location. Right. Um, just makes it easier for the commute. Oh, so it leaves more, leaves more time to watch TV. <laughs> Excellent, that's what you want. Exactly. So, what have I been up to? I tried the first episode of Inside Man. Right, yes. on BBC. Yes. Um, has been heavily trailed, as they say. Yes. With Stanley Tucci and David Tennant. Inside Man, not the 2006 film that stars Denzel Washington. This right. is, in fact, the 2022 drama yes. on the BBC. It's an interconnected story, and it follows this vicar who gets stuck in a sticky situation, mm-hmm. and this man on death row for murdering his wife, who, while he's waiting to be executed, takes on cases. Yes. And we sort of switch back and forth between them, and by the end of the first episode, you see the through line that connects them which is pretty easily explained i had a look at it because i thought it sounded interesting and i guess they wore me down after hearing the trail 18 times over like <laughs> six hours while i was listening to bbc radio yes i haven't watched that much of Stanley tucci he's just that cool actor that everyone seems to like yes and also actually does good work but i know he does some cooking stuff and uh, wine stuff yes he does i i believe that's another passion of his outside of his acting i believe that's good to have hobbies Yes. Um, unfortunately, it is a show two halves. The Stanley Tucci stuff in the prison is interesting because he does do the Sherlock thing. It does feel quite a lot like Elementary, if you remember that, with Johnny Lee Miller right. and Lucy Lou. It has that sort of feel to it, and same as like you know the Sherlock BBC as well. But unfortunately, the other side of it, which follows this vicar, is just sort of, yeah, I see exactly where this is going. You figure out where it's going from like the second scene that involves the vicar, and you go, oh yeah, I know exactly how this ends right it's just too predictable and it's just too easy to count beat after beat after beat which is fine if you're watching some us 22 episode procedural thing and you're really just watching because you care about the people who are going to catch the guy but this is the whole drama is about these two stories and they're the things that are supposed to hold things up as opposed to, i don't know sam and dean holding up supernatural yeah. or oliver queen holding up arrow this is the thing that's meant to keep you watching and yeah i mean i will watch the next 
next episode. But yeah, it is pretty much, I'm already watching for half of it. Yeah. I think they made it sound a lot more, I don't know, experimental or interesting than it actually is. And it really is just like every other procedural. Yeah. That's interesting to hear that take on it. I, I've not watched it yet. I saw they were trailering it. Um, I mean, like you say, it's been everywhere, but they had some of the cast on David Tennant and Lydia West, who is also in it. Uh-huh. They had those on Graham Norton this week and they were talking about it. And the Stanley Tucci stuff sounds a bit sort of slightly Hannibal Lectory, slightly sort of Prodigal Son was the other thing that came to mind when they were talking about the, the premise the, of it. The interesting thing is it isn't because he is very much, obviously, so in the first episode and we find out that he killed his wife quite early and all that, but he's very much, I did it, I should be punished. He pled guilty immediately. So whereas you think like Prodigal Son, that guy gets away with it for quite some time, for like mm-hmm. years and years. Obviously, Hannibal Lecter must have saw the same thing. He doesn't say he's repentant. He say he's ready to, you know, face the consequences of what he's done. And you sort of see that he talks a little bit about it, but it's very much he doesn't get drawn into why. At one point, a reporter comes to write a story because obviously it's a guy on death row solving crimes. Yeah. And she asks him, like, you know, why, and he doesn't answer. Yeah. So I don't think it falls into sort of the Hannibal side of it, at least on that side. Right. It might be a little cheesy, but I don't think it falls into those things because he's, he's different enough that it makes it interesting on Unfortunately, the other side of it does not. Right, yeah. I mean, it's got a really good cast. It's got good yeah. people behind the camera. I mean, it's David Tennant, Stanley Tucci, Dolly Wells is the other person in there, Lydia West, who, uh, of course, was from a lot of the Russell T. Davis stuff. It's written by Stephen Moffat. So, I mean, there's there's obviously, it's it's that sort of Doctor Who adjacent sort of set yeah. of people. And Paul McGuigan is the director of it, who did Sherlock and Dracula, and he's one of Moffat's kind of go-to director people. I mean, he's done Luke Cage and Big Sky and a whole bunch of other things as well. But he was one of the main Sherlock directors. So you'd think it, with those people put together, it should be something really special. It sounds like it's it's not quite there, unfortunately. But I will go and try it and see what I yeah, think. But, I think yeah. I think you should. I mean, it's on BBC, so you know it's right there. It's on the iPlayer, easy access. Give it a go. It might the other side of the story might work more for you. But I know for me, it just doesn't. Right. Okay. So the next thing we'll talk about is delete part one and two. And uh, this is one of those things that pops up in Amazon Prime with no fanfare or service. It's just there. Yes. And it's a 2013 sci-fi thriller made for TV thing. Right. Okay. Starring Keir Gilchrist, who's from Atypical. He's the star of Atypical. Yes. Erin Kaplan, who was in Being Erica, and Ryan Robbins, who you last saw in Riverdale as Archie's uncle. Right. Okay. He's one of the stars of Sanctuary, if you remember that show. That's a bit of a callback. Yeah. And also has Jill Bellows, who the older folk among you might recognize him from Ali McBeal, I believe. Within. Oh, yeah. Gil Bellows was, yeah, he's been in American Gods as well, and he was in Patriot. Yeah. Ascension. But Ali McBeal is probably the big thing that people know him from, I would think. So, a reporter and a young hacker uncover an artificial intelligence which has become sentient. It has one goal, self-preservation. Humans are trying to destroy it, so it's it or them. Hmm. 
So 2013, and it's a Canadian show, and it just feels like a TV movie, so it's two hours over two parts. It's just really good. It works really well. It's a little cheesy at times, especially with the way that they sort of show that there's an AI. It's lots of interesting sorts of weird LED images flying back and forth across the screen and lots of um, weird voice effects. But what it does, it does things quite well. It really sort of speaks to the fear of how ever-present technology is and what would happen if technology worked against us. We spend a lot of time with Keir, who is a young hacker, mm-hmm. and the reporter, played by Erin Kapler, who's sort of a jack-of-all-trades, has all these sort of skills that make her just like, she is definitely the protagonist. She has every skill that you need. She's very much like one of those, like a book thriller protagonist. You know, they always have every skill that they need, even though they're like a priest for 10 years. You know, they can fight, and they can pick locks, and they're very good at reading people. Yeah, But it works pretty well, and the way the story, as we find out about the story, it gets quite interesting because it starts with things like there's an attack at an Iran nuclear plant or a computer error, which obviously at that time you would have known for the Stux virus. It very much of the times, but still works now. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Just watch it over a couple of days. It fills my niche of watching Canadian shows yeah. and disaster films because obviously GPS is a thing. It does things like redirects oil tankers into right. oil refineries, so it destroys most of the saved up oil supply. No one can go anywhere because you can't obviously fly a plane because you've got no GPS to rely on. Right, yeah. All the banks fall over because they get their, all their records destroyed. Yeah, it's just, just crazy stuff. You just see everyone going crazy. Yeah. And obviously, as all good disaster film, it, it follows lots of different people, including like an NSA person who Jill Bellows plays and a couple of the sort of military side as well. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. You know, it's right there on Amazon Prime. I think you can watch it now. Yeah. There's a couple of other names in there as well. There's uh, Seth Green. Oh, there's loads of different names. He's, um, he's in there as well. Uh, Matt Frewer is in there. Yeah, I, mean, I was just about to say Matt Frewer because he pops up in everything. Yeah, I was just looking actually because, I mean, Matt Frewer, I think older people will know him was Matt Max Headroom, but I mean, he's been in Fear the Walking Dead. He's been in The Order recently. He popped up in Altered Carbon. He was in Perry Mason. He popped up in The Magicians, Timeless, um, yeah. 12 Monkeys, The Librarians. I mean, he's been in so much stuff. It's Oh, Falling Skies, he was in as well. Yeah. yeah, he's been in loads of different things. And of course, Seth Green, Buffy, and everything since then. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds good. I might go and give that a check out. That it's, and it's one of those things that I know. I often look at actors, IMDb, and you see something that's like five, six years old you go I could probably buy it on Amazon somewhere or find it on something and this was delete was one of those and I couldn't find it for ages and ages because I looked at it and I assumed I thought it might have been a pilot but no it was actually just a TV movie so yeah so it was quite nice for it to pop up that's very cool I, I'll have to go and check that out it's a lot of fun okay right let's quickly talk about She-Hulk <laughs> yes this seems to very much have divided the audience now i am really enjoying she-hulk i i I, yes i understand what it is it is a comedy it's an out and out comedy it very much is ignoring so much of the superhero stuff and it's supposed to be very very silly and it is and i think if you're prepared to roll with it 
it's quite a lot of fun. But yeah, it's not got the standard MCU of sort of starting off fun, but building to a bigger villain. It's very Mm. episodic. Everything seems very self-contained. A lot of the episodes have been stories within themselves, but I kind of like it. I find her very watchable. Tatiana Maslany, I, I think, is a wonderful actress, and I find her very watchable. I think she suits that role really well. And I like seeing her doing this sort of comedy. I, I can understand why some people are struggling with it, because it isn't like what everything else in the MCU is like. It's very different. But as a silly sort of half-hour knockabout comedy, I think it works, and I'm quite enjoying it. So I take it you have a different point of view. I want to do what so many comic fans fail to do and, and try and hit some nuance. The show has an amazing cast. Mm-hmm. From what we see in the characters, it's quite interesting. I love her in the role. I think she's amazing. It's an inspired casting. I think my problem with it, I think some of the things you mentioned, is that it's episodic, which is bad because one reason why I stay well away from sitcoms is that they're episodic and they don't carry things through. So yeah. there was no character development. And that's the problem with her. We feel like she doesn't get any character development. Just keeps going around in circles. And I think some of the plotting made to go what that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. the whole point of She-Hulk other than the fact that she's you know always fully in control is that she's a lawyer the lawyer stuff is awful it's (laughs) absolutely awful and I mean it's awful compared to like Ali McBeal and if you want to have a She-Hulk attorney at law I'm going to need you to at least try to make it look like you spent some time thinking about making some funny law stuff we have about 30 or 40 years of you know funny court based things that you could draw on and they decided not to. I think that's a fair comment. Uh, So we have that. We have the fact that Jennifer just sort of runs around in circles with this whole idea of, you know, trying to figure out whether she's trying to be normal and sort of prove herself. I think that's the main problem is that there's no flow through that you will get in other Marvel shows. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't care that the fights are terrible because most of them were. I care a lot more about, for instance, I mean, for goodness sake, so this is a former assistant district attorney but she seems to have absolutely no confidence in herself or her skills as a lawyer or any idea about law i mean the whole thing when the name she gets trademarked that was awful that hurt me that hurt <laughs> me to just watch that whole episode because like no i'm sorry that was somebody who worked in the ad office who can't figure out the first thing to do like when she had is it like her cousin explained to her trademark law at the beginning mm. yeah that, that hurt me yes and i think there's good stuff in there like the last episode was great mm-hmm. but that's episode six, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Yeah. And I could take six is probably the best episode so far. And we have the record guy there at the retreat. Yes. And he's there and he seems like he's generally sorry about what he did. Mm-hmm. But at no time does he say, oh, we were hired to do that. Yeah. At no point does she ask, why did you do it? Those are things that bug me. It's like, I can't think that a degree in above educated person who has a cousin who's a very famous superhero and who has just gained superpowers just asks these sorts of questions. Yeah. Even if she is off a game because of a guy, those are the things that bug me and I think bug a lot of people about it. Yeah. They are all absolutely fair criticisms of it. I mean, I am enjoying it. I take your point about the legal stuff as well, because yes, she should be much better at that given what her position is. And it's also the core quality of the way it's written which I think is just it's like you haven't got money for special effects 
spend money on like a lawyer to consult. Yes. And I think there is an argument, you're right there, that if you are going to call it She-Hulk attorney at law, there should be a bit more of attorney in in there. I mean, because I think you could do a lot more with, you know, maybe make it a 45 minute show rather than a sort of half hour show and put some more silly courtroom stuff in there because she's this lawyer for superheroes and i think yeah. there is a deep comedy well you could mind there and exactly they and they, just, and they left it. it dry yeah i think that is an absolutely that's a valid criticism of it so no it's not perfect and i would freely agree to that i am enjoying it i like what i see there i think a second season of it would be kind of interesting to see whether they do switch the tack a little bit because like i say if you are going to do make her a lawyer and have that as a big part of the show then make it part of the show don't say oh she's attorney at law and then leave it with her doing lots of non-attorney stuff i think yes there is something to be said for that and the lack of character development you are right as well there's a lot of sort of her grappling with just her life as opposed to sort of you know i mean there's bits of her grappling with she-hulk and her being she-hulk as not mm-hmm. controlling as opposed to controlling the powers it's controlling this other part of yeah. how it's perceived and the thing is there are plenty other examples within tv mcu of characters going through journeys we got Buck We've just come out of Miss Marvel, for goodness sake. Yeah. We've got people who have had to take looks of themselves and sort of figure out where they want to go from here. I think the comedy got turned up way too much. It's almost like by becoming a comedy, like the comedy union came in and said, we're not going to have you make things make sense from episode to episode. We're going to loosen up the writing and just play it all for jokes. Yeah. Even things like breaking the fourth wall. It's just been bad. If you're going to do breaking the fourth wall, make it funny. Yeah. I don't mind the breaking the fourth wall stuff. I don't mind it, but but, make it funny. Yes. Fair point. You're making very fair criticisms of it. Absolutely. There are certainly improvements they could make with that show. I still think it's worth watching and I still think it's enjoyable, but it will be interesting to see where we land at the end of this series. Because as I say, with most of the Marvel shows, they're building towards something. With this, there is some sort of subplot going on, but it's very small and sort of tacked on to the end of it. It's not really yeah. i'm still not entirely sure where it's going you know yeah. by the end of it because it is then so that's, self-contained that's, that's the only reason i know anything about sort of like where we're going is because i watch like reviews from press people who know what's coming next right so they can so they add context to it and you shouldn't have to watch a after show of something to get context onto a half hour show yes in the mcu which has been planned out meticulously yeah i think a lot of those are fair points for me it's still enjoyable yeah um I- but, but yes, I've there are improvements my, you can make. I've written like reviews and like, well, well not reviews, little comments on YouTube. It's like, I sort of say She-Hulk isn't bad, but it's not great. No. And I think they leave a lot on the table. Yes. Because if they got everything they need there, even like the other lawyer who's played by the guy who played Agent Chase. Yes. He's interesting. He came and he was interesting and then he's gone again. Yeah. So yeah, I think they've left so much on the table, which is a shame. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. And much as I'm enjoying this, I think there is a better series that you could put in there for a second season. So we'll see where it goes. Certainly it isn't up there with some of the best MCU TV series by far. And I've said that before, but I'm enjoying it as it is. But there are a lot of improvements you could make to it as well, which I think is a fair point. So... (laughs) Okay, for the final thing, because I know some of you heathens don't, 
I've included a book. It's the only to read. Yes. Uh, so this book is called He Who Fights with Monsters, and it's written by Travis Deverell, which is D-E-V-E-R-E-L-L. And it is a sort of lit RPG, which pretty much means game elements in the story. Mm-hmm. Think of it as like Ready Player One, but good. Right. Okay. So reading the synopsis, it's not easy making the career jump from office supply store middle manager to heroic interdimensional adventurer. At least Jason tries to be heroic, but it's hard to be good when all your powers are evil. <laughs> He'll face off against cannibals, cultists, wizards, monsters, and that's just on the first day. He's going to need courage, he's going to need wit, and he's going to need some magic powers of his own. But first, he's going to need pants. <laughs> so it tells the story of this guy called Jason from Australia. And in true isekai, which is sort of the Japanese word for, which sees someone get pulled out of their world by mysterious forces and placed generally in a fantasy one. Right. That's what happens with him here. He gets pulled into this world with magic. Some lit RPGs are very game-focused. This is less game-focused, but it has that idea. Because he gets this thing to help him, because he's known as an outlander. People who are outlanders, you're obviously going into a world with magic and things, and you have absolutely no idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they get these outlander abilities, and his is a system menu. So it sort of translates things into stuff he can understand, because obviously he has knowledge of video games. Right. I mean, it sounds silly. And it is, there is like decent bits of comedy in there, but it's also a very interesting story about what would happen if an actual normal person got powers and, you know, how would they act and as they grow stronger, how would that affect them? Right. It's very interesting. There's a lot of lessons some politics and science stuff, but it's also a lot about, um, for instance, there's a very interesting sort of conversation he has at the beginning after he gets out of the sort of initial danger and he's talking to an adventurer, which is, sounds exactly like it is. They have a conversation back and forth because he says oh I'm not going to kill anyone and he had this conversation about you know whether killing people is wrong or right and obviously the other guy would argue things like you know doing the right thing especially in that sort of world will require that and it's just interesting to then watch his journey and see what he becomes as it goes on and it's a I've seen that there are seven out I think it might be an eight book series. Like you can never tell because Amazon should assume something's eight books if it's if that's all that's been announced. But it's yeah, it's great. It's very well written. The lead character is very sort of sarcastic and likes to throw in lots of uh, pop culture references, which of course in a fantasy land mean absolutely nothing to the people who's using them on. <laughs> yes. And he's sort of like for those people who know World of Warcraft or any other fantasy sort of style, he basically has warlock powers. Right. Which is why they make reference to his power as being evil because it's all about affliction spells and, and curses and things yeah and I've been reading through quite a few of them and it's a lot of fun so you should go and check it out there's audiobooks available as well for those audible people something to listen to while you drive to and from work yeah that sounds kind of interesting I might have to go and check that one out so it's not one that I'd come across but that's kind of cool I recommend it excellent um, and it's one of those things there's this thing called Royal Road which is basically fanfiction.net for those people who all remember people just write their own stories and put them on there Mm-hmm. And well, not a lot though, but those people who get enough reads tend to then just put them onto Amazon. And that's what's happened with this guy because it says, after cementing itself as one of the best rated serial novels of Royal Road with an astonishing 13 million views, He Who Fights with Monsters is now available. Oh, right. So it's all been proofread by internet people 
with the harshest <laughs> critters in, in the world. So if they like it, and there's got to be something there. Yeah. All right. Well, worth checking out then. He who fights with monsters. That one is. Yeah. So for me, I mean, TV-wise, I haven't really looked at anything new. I did finish yeah, the I entire... Yeah, have No, well, I have been sort of watching, but it's all kind of ongoing things, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, She-Hulk and or, which, you know, started a few weeks ago. I, I yeah. think that's been really good so far. Vampire Academy, I've been uh, catching up with as well. Oh, oh you see, I, I I'm a big fan. I've read all the books and a spin-off of that, so I'm interested to check it out. Yes. But also quite also it's a bit weird because it's so different from the books. Right. I've not read the books, so I couldn't tell you whether whether it's it's different or not. But although it's from Julie Pleck, it doesn't have an awful lot in common with her other vampire series, yeah. the Vampire Diaries. It's a very different style of book. It has far more in common with Fort Salem, I think, in yeah. the way that it's set up, in that it is a group of vampires that are sort of walled off from the outside world. They are in our reality, but they're sort of, you know, they're in their own compound. They have their own system. They have sort of a matriarch and it is its own society, essentially. With that and the fact that it is an academy and you've got these people in training, you've got this hierarchy system of these vampires that are are sort of the royalty that are on top. And then there's sort of levels below that until you get to the people who are the protectors of the vampires that are sort of half and half. You've got this interesting sort of thing going on and there is this connection between one of the royal vampires and one of the protectors and it becomes a bit about that relationship and the intrigue between this sort of changing of the royal guard essentially because the queen is about to give up her throne and there's supposed to be a new queen coming in but there's still sort of various people throwing their hats in the ring for who that's going to be. So it's this sort of interesting time of turmoil going on there but... It's got some really good action. It is very YA. I mean, if you if you mm. like things like Fort Salem, I think this will be completely up your street. I, it's very much in that kind of vein. Yeah. But I've been really enjoying it. You know, it's it's well written. It's decently put together. The characters are likable. They're not afraid to bump people off when they need to. And, you know, so it keeps you on your toes. But yeah, I've been really quite enjoying it. But it's it's up on Peacock right now with episodes. I think there's five episodes up and there's their episodes are going out weekly. So worth going to check that out on Pico. The other thing I got to the end of was Ghosts, because that's all up on iPlayer right now. Not really much you could say about this other than it is kind of more of the same, pretty much. I mean, Ghosts is a wonderful TV series. They've continued that on. There is quite a major event, actually, in I think it's episode five, which I don't want to go into and spoil for anybody. So I but they do actually make a change there which affects everybody so there is something in there that is sort of advancing things slightly but overall I mean it is them trying to open the guest house they've now got the uh, gatehouse I think that they've got open and they're starting to rent that out to people so they've got that so you're starting to bring guests in but a lot of it is just about you know the couple and the ghosts again so it's funny it's fun it's a really lovely series and I think these six episodes have been great thoroughly being enjoying that gaming wise I picked up Disney's Dream like Valley which Matt talked about I think it was last week and he mentioned that it was on the Xbox Game Pass which I have the PC Xbox Game Pass so I went and downloaded it and I've been rather quite enjoying that if you've not come across this game it is sort of a building game mining game it's it's in the vein of something like my time at Portia 
or Animal Crossing, but with mm-hmm. Disney characters. So you are dropped into this magical valley. You meet Merlin. He then explains that there's something called the forgetting that's sort of gone on. So nobody really has any memories. There are these vines that are blocking off certain areas of the valley, so you can't get to them. And uh, your magic sort of helps remove some of the vines. So the more you do, the stronger you get. The more points you collect, the more areas you can unlock. But there is gardening, there's sort of house decorating, fishing, mining, all that sort of stuff, collecting stuff and building, crafting things. There's all that that you can do in the game. And you can sort of do as much and as little as you like. I mean, some of the quests require that, you know, you go and catch 10 particular fish or you go and create something or, you know. So you're basically trying to sort of bring the characters back into the valley. And it's sort of Mickey, Goofy, Donald. It's all your standard Disney characters, plus characters from Frozen, there's uh, people like Wally in there. There's Ratatouille. It's all the Pixar Disney stuff, and you're trying to bring them all back to this valley, and you create houses for them, and sort of can lay things out how you like. It's really nice. It's calm. It's relaxing. It's really fun to play. It's a little bit grindy in places, you know, because there are certain you've got to get sort of a friendship level up with each of the characters to a certain point before it unlocks certain quests. You need to get X amount of these sort of points so you can unlock certain areas and you need to have certain areas unlocked before you can advance some of the quests. Mm -hmm. So that can get a little bit grindy in places. But overall, it's fun. It's free if you've got the Xbox Game Pass. It is worth picking up and checking out, though. Uh, You know, I've been... I don't know how many hours I've played on it, but I've been quite a few at this point. And uh, it's been sort of the main thing I've been playing this week. Solid little game and fun to play. I mean, whether it would have as much appeal if it wasn't the Disney characters because they're using sort of variations of the Disney music in the background as well. You get to talk to Wally and you get to talk to Mickey and all that sort of stuff. So certainly if you're a Disney fan, it is one that's worth picking up. But um, it's called Disney Dreamlight Valley. It is available on Steam to buy, but it is for free on the Xbox Game Pass on Xbox and on PC. I think it's on other platforms as well. So uh, it's worth going to look at though if you uh, fancy one of those sort of lighter games maybe to play around with that's mainly the stuff we've been doing this week and let's move on to some tv and film news hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So we start off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. And we have uh, one cancellation which was cancelled before it even got on air. I mean, it's a Netflix show. And even for Netflix, this seemed a little bit harsh. It's a show called Grendel. It's based on a Dark Horse comic book about a mass vigilante called Hunter Rose, who is a gifted fencer, writer and assassin seeking to avenge the death of a lost love. He goes to war with New York's criminal underworld only to realise why beat them when you can join them. 
them. So that was the setup for it. It's an eight episode series. What's the weird thing about this is by the sounds of it, they'd shot the entire thing. Yeah, it's done. It was shot and done. And then Netflix, having ordered eight episodes of it, went, no, we don't want it. And said to the producers, you can go and shop it elsewhere if you like, but we don't want it. Which is really strange. (laughs) So I I don't know what went on there, but Mm. at least they've released them so they can go and sell it to somebody else. It's a really odd one, that, because it was ordered. I mean, it was ordered a couple of years ago, and they've shot it, they've filmed it, it's in the can. I don't know whether they're doing still doing post on it, but, I mean, the photography is all done. It, very, very odd. I mean, whether they looked at it and decided it wasn't worthwhile, but, I mean, I, this is Netflix. I mean, given some of the rubbish that Netflix have put out, I mean, I, it's really strange that they've turned their back on it. But it won't be going out on Netflix. They may be able to sell it to somebody else. I mean, if, if it is a completed thing, very possible they can just go and sell it to somebody else but yeah very very odd it's Grendel cancelled at Netflix I can remember Grendel he's like he was pretty big in the sort of late 90s yes. early 2000s he was sort of massive he's very pop culture yes I remember him from that sort of time and then he sort of disappeared a bit well that was sort of like the golden age of sort of independent comic yeah. uh, publishers where everything was out there like Vampirella and Lady Death and all those sorts of other ones and then it just, they just sort of quieted down. It's, I guess probably with the rise of things like with probably superhero movies, you know, with superhero movies, things that started. And also things like DC started like constantly relaunching their titles pretty yeah. much almost every year. So I feel like it sort of drowned everything else out. Yes. And there's also some of the indies got enveloped into DC yeah. and Marvel as well, particularly DC. They started bringing a lot of their indie stuff into the main DC timeline as well. So yeah. I think there's a certain amount of that. But whether or not that sees the light of day somewhere but there is a fully made eight episode Grendel series kicking around we'll see if it pops up somewhere else but um, Netflix won't be having it over on the renewal side of things Interview with the Vampire has been renewed for a second season ahead of the premiere although I think it has actually gone out out now but um, because I think it went out last night but ahead of the premiere of the first episode they actually announced that it was renewed for a second season which I don't think is a huge surprise because they spent a fortune on buying the licenses to all the Anne Rice stuff so I don't think it's a surprise that they're going to make more of it. But um, the first episode seems to have gone down reasonably well from the bits and pieces that I've seen. So that's good. And it will be back for a second season. Over here, because it's AMC, we have no idea where it's landing. If, if you're wondering what's happening with the AMC shows, because Interview with the Vampire hasn't landed anywhere. Most of the new Walking Dead stuff hasn't landed anywhere. And the old Walking Dead stuff, like Fear, has started to drop off Prime Video. Oh. So there is a lot of speculation. And to be fair, AMC have said this themselves, that they started to talk about launching AMC Plus, which is their streaming service in the US. They've talked about starting to launch that in Europe next year. They haven't got in timeline and haven't specifically said the UK, but it does look like they're either reclaiming or hoarding a lot of their content because none of the newer AMC shows have landed anywhere. And AMC always used to be quite happy to sell their things because, you know, dollar signs in their eyes. They've always been happy to sell their stuff. And it's not even coming onto AMC, the channel in the UK, because there is still the AMC channel in the UK they're not even putting stuff on there and things like Interview with the Vampire are huge titles you've got things like Tales of the Walking Dead hasn't landed anywhere as I said Fear is running on AMC UK but has dropped off Amazon and hmm. Walking Dead itself is coming to an end but they have a deal
deal with Disney for that. So I rather suspect that Disney may be bought a two-year deal for that, and I suspect the whole of The Walking Dead will disappear off Disney after the finale goes out, and at some point next year, they will end up launching AMC+. Plus. That seems to be what it's pointing towards, because it's weird that none of the AMC content is going anywhere right now. If it does launch, it's probably likely to be something like an Amazon channel, one of those things, which is a sort of £5 a month thing, probably, rather mm. than a all-singing or dancing streaming service. Obviously, it'll just be the AMC content. It won't be like pulling loads of other things. We'll have to wait and see. There is nothing official right now, but yeah. that seems to be the way it's going. Freaking makes pretty good sense because the strength of AMC has always been it's, you know, one or two huge mega shows. Yeah. And if they can pace that on the front of Amazon Prime as an add-on, you go, ooh, look, it's interview the vampire. Click for them, realize you have to start a trial. It's a good way to pull some people in. Otherwise, it just seems crazy not just to leave that sort of money on the table because obviously the rest of the world would very much like to see your shows. Yeah, and they have got some interesting stuff coming up. I mean, in terms of new series, you've got the Orphan Black Echoes series. You've got Straight Man, which is the new Bob Odenkirk series. You've got the various Walking Dead things like Isle of the Dead or or, um, Dead Island or whatever it's called now. They changed the name of it. You've got Mayfair, which is coming up, which is the other Anne Rice series. You've also got Interview with the Vampire. They have got a lot of fairly big things sitting out there alongside all the Walking Dead stuff and some very interesting shows and none of them have been sold anywhere else. So I would not be surprised to see an AMC Plus service launched next year in the UK. It's just it's slightly frustrating we're having to wait for these things, but it is what it is. Speaking of those sort of add-on channels, little bit of news dropped out. Stars Play, which runs in the UK, have rebranded to Lionsgate Plus. That is the weirdest rebrand since Peacock, I tell Yes, it is a bit... Yeah, because I know who Lions getting out because I'm a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a bit strange that... I mean, I I know stars... We don't have a star channel in the UK. And there was some discussion of of whether the star on Disney Plus and stars play... Were too close. Were too close and were getting confused. And I mean, I know I've had conversations with people that have confused the two. Ironically, though, Disney Plus are also kind of dropping the star brand as well. I mean, it's still there but they don't use it when something comes onto disney plus they're saying it's coming onto disney plus not coming on to star on disney plus anymore so they've kind of downplayed that brand as well i don't quite know i mean it's still stars in the u.s they've not changed like the stars yeah. channel to be the lionsgate channel so it's still stars over there but they've rebranded it to lionsgate everywhere else pretty much apart from a couple of territories but ah, uh, well that's probably because star as in the disney spin-off is a separate thing in other countries. Yes. It's just us that it just happens. It's just a channel on Disney Plus, but in other places, it's a separate streamer. Yes. So that's probably, you know, like a Hulu. Yeah, so, so, so that maybe... that does make sense then if they, if they are competing across the world, stars and star play do sound a little bit too close to each other. Yeah, so so maybe that's the reason why, but they did release the spiel of sort of, you know, marketing bump that went with it that was, you know, all marketing speak, but I mean, I it doesn't really clarify anything, but but, uh, yeah, so if you had Stars Play, which you can get on its own, but he's also an add-on channel on Prime Video, it will now be there as Lionsgate Plus instead. I mean, it's exactly the same service with exactly the same stuff on it, but it just got a new name. Sticking with some of the industry news as well, we don't really talk about this sort of stuff as much, but Mark Pedowitz, who was the CEO of the CW, is going after 11 years. Mm. We knew the CW had been bought out. You know, that sale has all 
all now gone through. It's bought by a company called Netstar. Mark Pedowitz, who was really the person that created the CW as you know it today, which is Arrowverse, Riverdale, All-American, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Jane the Virgin, Walker, Supernatural. I mean, single-handedly, he was the person that kept Supernatural on the air. He basically said, we will take this show for as long as the boys are prepared to make it. That's why it was on the air for 15 years, because he stepped in and was like, nope, I'm not getting rid of that. I'm a massive fan of it. It was his relationship with Belanti that really created the Arrowverse and him bringing all the superhero TV stuff across. So he was instrumental in an awful lot of the CW, which is there today. There are going to be a lot of changes to the CW in the US. It's not going to be churning out that sort of content anymore. Next Star are trying to turn it into a profit-making platform, which he has never been. It's always been, as we mentioned before, they used it as a... Yeah, it's always been loss-leading. They made money on the back end by selling the shows internationally and to other people onto streaming services in the US. That's how they made money at the CW. So uh, the channel itself has never actually made a profit. So what they're trying to do is now turn it into a profitable channel. And because of that, that unfortunately means that it's going to be a lot more reality TV, a lot more cheaper programming. So you're going to see a massive decline in quality on the CW, unfortunately. They are keeping a few things around, but not that much. We'll see where that goes. But uh, yeah, he's now actually gone, which is a shame. It makes perfect sense. He is going back to, I think he had his own production company beforehand. He's going back to that. So we will still see more things coming from him, but independently. Yeah, I think something that I didn't realise until I was just reading that and just thinking about it is like the new CW is a sort of almost a watch case for what's going to happen when all the dust settles over Warner Brothers Discovery. Yes. Because that's what they that's what exactly what they want. They want to save money and they want to be as efficient as possible with the view to sell itself on in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Just prepare yourself for that. Yes. It's gonna be an interesting ride, I think. I'm just thankful the Blue Beatles locked in apparently. Right. Because okay. I looked because I looked wild. Yes. This is something you know, someone sat down and said, yeah, we're gonna make a Blue Beetle movie. I, no, you're out of your mind. But <laughs> really, apparently that's what we're getting. And the suit looks amazing. So, yes, yes. I've seen a few go. shots of the suit. It, it looks quite incredible. So uh, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one. In terms of people leaving as well, there is another high profile leaving on American TV. Yeah, that's um, surprising. The Daily Show is uh, losing Trevor Noe. came on to uh, an episode last week and said that he was standing down. Not immediately. It's going to be a little while until they transition to whoever is going to take over. But yeah, Trevor Noah came on and said that he was leaving this Daily Show. He, of course, took over from Jon Stewart with very big shoes to fill. And I think he's done a wonderful job. I think he's really made the show his own. He's made a few tweaks and changes and there's little differences in the format. And uh, he's done a really wonderful job with it. And I really like Trevor Noah. And um, he just basically said, I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to tour. It's very difficult to do that with the schedule of the Daily Show. So I'm going to hand off to somebody else. We don't know who that's going to be, whether it will be one of the current correspondents that are on the show or whether it'll be somebody outsider, somebody entirely new. We'll have to wait and see what they do with it. But um, it sounds like there's been discussions going on. 
apparently for a while behind the scenes about sort of could he take more time off and go and do other things but the actual announcement sounds like it caught a few people off guard because they, I don't think it had been discussed much actually internally and a few people only found out that work on the oh. show only found out when he announced it on the show so um, it sounds like it was a bit of I mean as he said when he made the announcement you know I was at home over the weekend and I came in this morning and was like no I think I'm done so yeah that's an interesting one I'll be sad to see him go I do enjoy the Daily Show and he goes out on Comedy Central at sort of some stupid o'clock in the morning over here but um, you know you can record it it's it's well worth watching if you like those sort of topical news things moving over on to some other older shows Community has finally got its six seasons and a movie coming to Peacock the movie is going to be landing on Peacock in the US I don't know whether it'll get picked up in the UK on Peacock because they write things but we'll see but it is coming with its original cast which is great news for fans of community because that's what they always said they wanted. So I'm very happy that's happening. And there was a few advanced air dates from Apple TV as well. Mosquito Coast Season 2, they've announced that's landing on the 4th of November. Mythic Quest Season 3, which I'm a huge, huge fan of, that's landing on the 11th of November. Slow Horses' second season of that is landing on the 2nd of December, and that's come around really quick because the first season only went out earlier this year, I think. And Little America Season 2, that is coming on the 9th of December. So they're all coming to Apple TV. Really great shows. Matt really liked Mosquito Coast. I haven't actually watched that yet and I haven't watched Little America but Mythic Quest and Slow Horses were superb have you caught any of the Apple TV stuff I know you've got I haven't seen any of the Apple TV stuff unfortunately it is well worth getting a month subscription because it's like a five or six quid for a month subscription it's worth getting a month subscription binging through all the top level shows and turning it back off again because they release things in sets and there are enough seasons up on there to make it worth your while to go and get a subscription for a month turn it on binge through a bunch of things and turn it off again and then come back to it Mythic Quest is hilariously funny and well worth worth watching. Over on the MCU, there's been a number of interesting bits and pieces there. There was a rumour that Harrison Ford is going to be playing General Thunderbolt, taking over from the dearly departed William Hurt in the MCU Thunderbolts film. They were apparently planned to announce it at D23, but Kathleen Kennedy stepped in and said, nope, we want to focus it on Indy because Indy 5 is the big announcement and uh, they don't want to distract from that with announcing Harrison in something else so we're not announcing it here but uh, apparently Harrison Ford will be the new Thunderbolt Ross which is is an interesting change from William Hurt but you know fine if that's where they're going to go with it Harrison Ford in the MCU is that what you like to see? Uh, It's an interesting choice it seems like a weird choice sort of like given his views on Bess Junkets and marketing stuff yes I would agree with that he's not sort of well known for being somebody who likes to be involved in these sort of big franchise things. I mean, yes, he's the Star Wars and yes, he's Indy and he has been involved in that. But I'm surprised that if this rumour is true, and bearing in mind it is a rumour, I would be surprised if he had agreed to sign up to another massive franchise because the other two were sort of became big franchises. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody knew Star Wars was going to become what it was. And and Indy, same sort of thing. Whereas this would be him stepping into a giant franchise so fine if that is the case you know fair enough they need somebody for that role but yes 
The other change as well in the MCU was the Armor Wars series starring Don Cheadle has apparently been changed from a series to a feature film. I don't know what the reason for that is, whether they just thought it would work better as a feature, but um, yes, that's what they're doing with it, apparently. So Armor Wars will now no longer be a series, it will be a feature. Moving on to the other MCU news, which set the uh, Twitter and social media and the internet alight this week, uh, Hugh Jackman is returning as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. The announcement video for this was very Deadpool, very Ryan Reynolds, and, and was just brilliant. It was uh, Ryan Reynolds sat on the sofa talking about his desire to make Deadpool's first official appearance in the MCU feel special. He's kind of going on about searching for inspiration. There's these sort of inspirational shots of him kind of staring out windows and that sort of thing, walking through woods and, and all that kind of stuff. The clip then comes back to Reynolds on the sofa and Hugh Jackman walks in the cross in the back backgrounds and he just goes hey Hugh want to play Wolverine one more time and he goes yeah sure Ryan and kind of walks up the stairs and then there's a title card that comes up the end with coming Hume then the Deadpool logo with like the Wolverine kind of claw marks over the top of it so Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine one more time in this no idea what the film is they did do another video afterwards which was the two of them talking about on the sofa and then they kind of drowned out they were saying this is what's going to happen and then drowned it all out with music but uh, that's quite funny as well so you can go and check those videos out on youtube excited to see hugh jackman back as wolverine one more time i don't know to be honest I've, it seems an odd choice i thought he'd have to stop so i'm not too sure about it myself and i think also now that the mcu is going in a very different direction for mutants i'm not sure about it it feels like it's just going to be a one-off and get rid of them again and that just seems a bit silly yes it does feel like it might be that i mean we've started to see them introduce very tiny bits of mutants in the mcu with sort of new mutant characters Mm -hmm. there is a suggestion that has been floating around that, that like there is a comic book from 2012 called deadpool kills the marvel universe And there is a suggestion that what they could be doing is using Deadpool to kill the Fox X-Men universe, Mm. which I think could be hilariously funny. If they're using Deadpool as a sort of, he somehow is part of them killing off that whole Fox X-Men universe and it then gets integrated into the MCU because it's all part of the sort of multiverse stuff. There is an interesting story that you can play around with there, and that would be quite a spectacular way to introduce Deadpool across and gives Hugh Jackman one way to you know just throw him in there as a sort of... I mean, presumably he's going to be bigger than just a small cameo role with what they're doing with this. You presume it's going to be kind of more of a bigger role in that. But I've loved the Deadpool movies. I think the third one as an MCU one is going to be really quite interesting. But yes, I'm sort of with you. I kind of feel they're probably going to end up having to recast them all because much as I love Patrick Stewart as Professor X, and we have seen him as Professor X in the MCU, he's not getting any younger. (laughs) So you do get to a certain point where you kind of have to move on. I think the way it looks, it feels more like they just want mutants in the MCU and not X-Men. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're just going to have, for instance, we're going to have um, Miss Marvel running around and a few others. And I think they're going to probably be that young. And I think they probably will eventually reveal that there are mutants all along, but I don't think they're going to go with X-Men. Because you know how Marvel has a very strange relationship with X-Men. They've tried to sort of make them less of a thing several times. It sort of never stuck. You can't see them going back to, let's have another X-Men team with a load of adults running around in the Blackbird. Not for a while, not for a long while, I suspect. I don't know. I can't see them leaving X-Men entirely on the shelf. 
because they are such a big brand that it would seem weird to do that. I, I know what you're saying. There are other ex-teams out there and, and you know, maybe they go in a slightly different direction. Maybe you go with a bunch of, a different bunch of mutants. But I don't know. There are a lot of slots in that phase six at the moment that need filling. And I do wonder if that's where they're going with it, whether we're going to see them in the sort of phase six stuff. But right now, I rather suspect that what they're going to end up doing with the Deadpool 3 movie is it's going to be this may be the the kind of way of killing off the Fox universe and integrating it into the MCU or not integrating the MCU. I mean, it could be a way of killing off the Fox universe and Deadpool is the only one that makes it out. Yeah, that, I would much rather that. I, I, well, yes, I, I think that's possibly what that, you know, and that makes from quite a lot of interesting comedy moving forward because you then have Deadpool as the one character that only remembers the old Fox stuff and you could have a new Wolverine you could, you know, you could have a new Professor X. You could have new people playing those characters, but Deadpool still remembers the old ones. So I think there is stuff you can play with there that would make it quite interesting. I mean, we've no idea what they are actually planning with this, but I think that would be a really wonderful, bonkers way to do it. So we'll see what they come up with. But yes, that's Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. And lastly, we have an Apple TV Plus series which has announced its cast. Uh, it's Time Bandits. It's from Taika Wahiti. They've announced a whole bunch of names that are going to be in this. Uh, Lisa Kudroy is one of the um, lead actresses in this, of course, from Friends. She's playing a character called Penelope. Time Bandits, for those of you that aren't aware, is a movie from Terry Gilliam. It's a Python adjacent. I think it's probably fair to say it wasn't a Python oh. film, but it was a Gilliam film that had an awful lot of the Python people in it. This is going to be uh, co-written, directed, exec produced by Taika Wahiti and starring an ensemble cast. First two episodes are going to be directed by Taika. It's a comedic journey through time and space with a ragtag group of thieves and their newest recruit, an 11-year-old history nerd, which was basically the same premise of the film. Lisa Kudroy is in there. Kalal Tuck is in there. I don't know any of the other names. Do you know any of the people in there? Rachel House, who was in apparently Thor Ragnarok uh, Heartbreak High as well having a look while you were thinking no I don't recognise these names any of them that I can think of Kalal Tuck is a really interesting name I, that is I, yeah, I saw it earlier I looked at it oh wow okay well yes. it's been about long enough that's the child actor that's the 11 year old or whatever age he is but uh, parents obviously Superman fans <laughs> but yes Rachel House Kira Thompson Roger Jean oh my god I'm never going to pronounce that last name uh Tiger Murphy, Charlene Yee are the other ones in it. Tiger Murphy was in Black Sails and Brassic. Broom Tempt, who was in Captain Marvel and the Last Kingdom. Kira Thompson, who was in the Salisbury Poisonings. Lisa Koydra is the only name that I particularly recognise. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, they mm. could all be great actresses. I mean, these things work entirely based on the story. Uh, you know, it's not about the cast. But Taika, yes, I think he bundled Thor, Love and Thunder. But yes. Time Bandit very much seems like something that's up his street because yeah, it's silly, it's out there. It's very, very over the top. Jojo Rabbit was a wonderful film, which was also weird and out there. So if anybody's going to do this and it's not going to be Terry Gilliam, Taika's a good choice, I think, to take this series. That's Time Bandits. No release date on that yet, but that is Time Bandits with its, its coming. But um, keep an eye out for that on Apple TV+. Plus. That's all the uh, news for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> 
So not that many highlights for next week on TV, but we have The Bear starting on Disney+. Plus. That is the uh, one based in a uh, kitchen in Chicago. It's a, a sort of high-level chef that goes back to run the family business. It's been getting fantastic reviews across the board. 5th of October on Disney+, Plus. that is landing, so go and check that out. Pretty Hard Cases Season 2, that returns to Alibi. That's on the 6th of October at 9pm. Canadian Bade. Yes, Canadian made. It's a sort of uh, a comedy procedural, isn't it? I think that yeah. one. Comedy's procedural, that one. The Midnight Club comes to Netflix on the 7th of October. It's a new horror mystery thriller from the people behind the Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Blythe Manor series, based on the beloved Christopher Pike book series, that one. So that's The Midnight Club, 7th of October. Yep, still going to watch it, even though it's from the Haunting of People. <laughs> Let the Right One In, that is a series based on the various movies in the Swedish novel as well. That's coming on Paramount Plus that is on the 8th of October My Life is Murder returns for its third season on Acorn TV it also goes on to Alibi eventually but it premieres first on Acorn TV that's on the 10th of October that is landing so that's My Life is Murder Monstrous which is coming to Sky Sci-Fi on the 11th of October at 9pm this is a South Korean drama it's people in a village who are lured by a curse from a mysterious entity subsequently getting swept up in disaster after uncovering a cursed statue so how um, dare someone on the Netflix buy a Korean show <laughs> I know There's, they've picked up a couple of them actually there is another one I can't remember the name of but there's another one on, on there but, but uh, there is a, there's a, yeah there is a weird horror one set in an apartment building on Netflix I know that one came out relatively recently Yes, there's a couple on Sky Sci-Fi too. So uh, Monstrous, that's called, if you like the South Korean horrors, that's 11th of October at 9pm. That lands on there. That's all the highlights for next week. If people want to find more of your stuff, where can they find you, Daryl? So they can head over to hollywoodnorthnews.net and they can check out, ooh, what's the recent stuff? We've been talking about Nikki and Nora Sister Sleuths, which is a new Hallmark movies and mystery show, which has to King, you know from Young and the Restless, and Rhiannon Fish, who you'll know from, I believe, Home and Away or the 100. Hallmarker finally getting in younger leads. And it's also a mystery, which they haven't released in quite some time. So there's that. Um, we did some couple interviews with one with the director of Control, another one with the director of Arranged Marriage, I believe. So you can head over there and check those out. Yeah, so go and check all that stuff out at hollywoodnorthnews.com. Net. For other people involved in the show, you can find Bex on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She's usually streaming most days and sort of various evenings. I believe she's up at Play Expo in Blackpool at the moment. So I think her schedule might be a bit off at the moment, but uh, she will be back on streaming. So go and give her a follow over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. Matt, you can find over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots more podcasts over there including uh, gaming podcasts and uh, more TV stuff and film reviews and um, half an hour of him weeping on his Man United podcast I suspect this week so uh, go and check that out over there as well a podcast about you no that sounds quite depressing that sounds dangerous <laughs> to be honest definitely injurious to your mental health yes particularly Manchester United lost 6-3 six 6-3 to six three. Three. Yeah. Six yes so I, I suspect that may just be half an hour of him weeping for us you can go to the website at geektown.co 
geektown.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.